Let us pray. By the power of the Holy Spirit, open our minds to the Word, your Son, who comes to us as one of us and ascends to the heavens to remain with us. Our first reading today is from Acts, chapter 16, verses 16 through 34. Paul and Silas in prison. One day, when we were on the way to the place for prayer, we met a slave woman. She had a spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She made a lot of money for her owners through fortune-telling. She began following Paul and us, shouting, These people are servants of the Most High God. They are proclaiming a way of salvation to you. She did this for many days. This annoyed Paul so much that he finally turned and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave her. It left her at that very moment. Her owners realized that their hope for making money was gone. They grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the officials in the city center. When her owners approached the legal authorities, they said, These people are causing an uproar in our city. They are Jews who promote customs that we Romans can't accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attacks against Paul and Silas, so the authorities ordered that they be stripped of their clothes and beaten with a rod. When Paul and Silas had been severely beaten, the authorities threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to secure them with great care. When he received these instructions, he threw them into the innermost cell and secured their feet in stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. All at once, there was such a violent earthquake that it shook the prison's foundations. The doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. When the jailer awoke and saw the open doors of the prison, he thought the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul shouted loudly, Don't harm yourself! We're all here! The jailer called for some lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He led them outside and asked, Honorable masters, what must I do to be rescued? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your entire household. They spoke the Lord's word to him and everyone else in his house. Right then, in the middle of the night, the jailer welcomed them and washed their wounds. He and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his home and gave them a meal. He was overjoyed because he and everyone in his household had come to believe in God. Our second reading today is Psalm 97. The Lord rules. Let the earth rejoice. Let all the islands celebrate. Clouds and thick darkness surround God. His throne is built on righteousness and justice. Fire proceeds before him, burning up his enemies on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees it and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of the whole world. Heaven has proclaimed God's righteousness, and all nations have seen his glory. All those who worship images, those who are proud of idols, are put to shame. All gods bow down to the Lord. Zion has heard and celebrates. 
The towns of Judah rejoice because of your acts of justice, Lord. Because you, Lord, are the most high over all the earth, because you are so superior to all other gods. Those of you who love the Lord hate evil. God guards the lives of his faithful ones, delivering them from the power of the wicked. Light is planted like seed for the righteous person. Joy, too, for those whose heart is right. Rejoice in the Lord, righteous ones. Give thanks to his holy name. Amen. Our third reading this morning is from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, 12 through 21. Look, I am coming. My reward is with me to repay all people as their actions deserve. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Favored are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right of access to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs, the drug users and spellcasters, those who commit sexual immorality, the murderers, the adulterers, and all who love and practice deception. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to bear witness to you, to all of you, about these things for the churches. I'm the root and descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who receives, who wishes receive life-giving water as a gift. Now I bear witness to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy contained in this scroll. If anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues that are written in this scroll. If anyone takes away from the words of this scroll of prophecy, God will take away that person's share in the tree of life and the holy city which are described in the scroll. The one who bears witness to these things says, Yes, I'm coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with us all. The other day, I saw a quote that said, Normal is not coming back. Jesus is. Just by living on this planet since 9-11, or even just in the last half dozen years, but especially these last two and a half years in the pandemic, we know the world that we once knew is just a memory. This morning's scripture tells us that Jesus is coming back and it's gonna happen real soon. We've been hearing this for a long time. They were talking about this before any of us were born. But like many things surrounding Jesus, we just don't know what many of us wish we did know. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. And not only did Jesus say, look, I'm coming soon, 
Jesus also says, my reward is with me to repay all people as their actions deserve. It's sort of like waiting for your third grade teacher to come back in after she has walked down to the copy room to mimeograph some worksheets. And while she has gone and left us on our own, all hell breaks out in the classroom. Some of the wilder and bolder kids started talking out loud. Maybe they even started saying swear words. Others got out of their desks and ran to the windows to see what was happening outside. Some started hitting each other. And then some of us, when we saw them doing those things, we didn't want to be left out. We joined right in. We all knew what we were doing was not what the teacher had asked us to do. We had been told and taught something different. Yet we did it anyway because we could. It was exciting and scary and fun all at once. We couldn't identify it, but what we just may have been feeling was the distinction between urgency and certainty. Again, we just may have been feeling the distinction, the, the feeling, excuse me, between, dis let's try it again. We just may have been feeling the distinction between urgency and certainty. Of course, we did not know when the teacher was going to watch in, walk in and catch us. We just knew that she would. The return of Jesus, we just don't know how quickly this is going to happen or when. It's been 2,000 years we've been waiting, 2,000 years since Jesus rose from the tomb. But we must remember that the timeline of God, the timeline of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are not the same as our timeline. The Lord emphasizes the quickness with which he will return. I suspect once the Lord sets out to return, it will happen in the blink of an eye. Perhaps what this means is when the time is right, the Lord will appear very, appear very quickly. Ready or not, here I come, surprise. The quickness of his return gives a sense of urgency. The message is always be ready, always be prepared. A dozen or so years ago, my mother and I were in a tourist trap in Arizona. And there we spotted a bumper sticker that we decided we really needed. It simply said, Jesus is coming, look busy. At first it seems pretty funny and we got a big laugh out of it. But once I thought about it, I thought, who is gonna fool Jesus? Perhaps we were only fooling ourselves. Jesus says, favored are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right of access to the tree of life and may enter the city by the gates. The tree of life is a symbol of immortality. And of course, one wanted to be inside the city gates so you would be protected and fed and you, you belonged. There was no other way to get into the city besides the gate, and when the gate was closed, 
you were in trouble. In other words, do as you have been instructed so you too will be ushered to share in the tree of life and not left outside and behind. God will take away that person's share. So what's this about washing our robe? There's only one of us in here today wearing a robe. Probably time to take it to the dry cleaners anyway. Interestingly enough, this bit about washing our robes, this might just be a typo. In the ancient Greek, there are two words. One is 21 letters long, and the other is 22 letters long. And no, I'm not going to try to pronounce or spell them for you. But these two very long words vary only by just three letters. And I pity the poor scribes whose job it was to write all this down and spell it correctly. What if somebody had messy handwriting? Those two words, fortunately, mean the same thing. One word means to wash one's robe. The other Greek word means to do his commands. So yes, they mean the same thing. You see, if we really knew and understood who Jesus is, we would not have any trouble being ready for his return. Simply by doing his commands, we do not earn eternal life. It is by the grace of God we are granted eternal life, each and every one of us. Still, we need to strive to follow the commands of Jesus. Why? Because they are good ideas, they were right for us to do. And we don't want to be called a dog, because remember, the dogs are the ones outside, the drug users, spellcasters, those who commit sexual immorality, the murderers, the adulterers, and all who love and practice deception. You just didn't want to be called a dog and left outside the city gate. You wanted to pay attention to your behavior. You see, in Yiddish, one word for dog is kaliv, and this term also means bad. In Yiddish folk sayings, they often portray the dog as the embodiment of evil. Apparently, being called a dog was just unthinkable, unspeakable. There was contempt for dogs. They were scavengers. For sure, they were impure and dirty. In the Eastern mindset, dogs were never thought of as a pet. Dogs were feral. They scavenged the streets. They were mangy, they were homeless, and they were also known as thieves. And this makes me consider if this is why my mother never wanted a dog, never let us have a dog, and never liked dogs. So if we follow the commands of Jesus to love God with all your heart and soul and to love your neighbor as we love ourselves, how do we trust that Jesus is really coming back? How do we know these words are true? Well, Jesus verifies who he is and his words when he says, I've sent my angel to testify to you these things. I am the root and the offspring of David. I am the night and morning star. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning, the end, and all things in between. 
In other words, Jesus has everything within himself. Jesus is absolutely complete. He needs nothing from any other source. He is the first and the last. The Lord receives power from no one. The Lord never hands over that power to anyone. The Lord is the complete authority. The Lord symbolizes completeness. The Lord is the timeline and the absolute authority. Jesus calls himself the bright morning star. The morning star is generally thought of as Venus. It shines, it welcomes the new day, just like Jesus does. Jesus is the star promised by God that would awa will awaken other realms of thought. The morning star is the brightest of all. It is the herald of the day which chases away the darkness of the night. Jesus is the first, the last, the best, and the brightest of all. The bright star chases away the sin of night, and death flees. The morning star is a promise that the long night of tribulation is all but over, and, today, and the new day is about to dawn. And we are familiar with the ending of the book of Revelation, which is also the last book in the Bible. Here we are warned, do not alter it in any way. Do not add to it. Do not take any words away. This is a stern warning, and it sounds like pretty serious stuff. But apparently in the days when the Bible was being, being penned, it was a regular custom to insert such a warning in the back of the book so that the scribes would not take liberties and alter any of the writing. These days, most of us are pretty fed up with the way the world is. We talk about how divided our country is politically and economically. We talk about the destruction we have done to this planet Earth that we call home. We wring our hands when we think about the war in Ukraine. We complain about the high price of food and fuel. We have concerns about the future for our children and our grandchildren. I often say, what are we leaving behind besides plastic for those that come after us? We're not leaving behind anything like Stonehenge or the pyramids or Machu Picchu. We're leaving behind plastic, and that does take a long time to rot and leave. So what can we do besides complain? We could ask God to, hey, it's time for a reboot down here. But that's our decision. That's not God's decision. And God doesn't need our help or need to be told by us what to do. So what can we do to restore ourselves and this world? We can live our best life using the gifts and blessings we have each been given. We can be better stewards of this planet. We can start by planting trees, planting gardens. We can reuse and repurpose what we have. We can teach our children and grandchildren the golden rule and then show them how to follow it by the choices we use to live our lives. 
We can do something about it when we walk out today. We can grab one of the little crosses, if you haven't already got one, that's in the basket downstairs in the entryway. We can carry it in our pocket. And when we put our hand in our pocket and we feel that cross, we are reminded of what Jesus commands us to do, thus demonstrating a better way to live by our choices. We can share what we have with others. As we are waiting for the pandemic to be over, as we are waiting for the war in Ukraine to be done, as we are waiting for the day that cancer is cured, as we are waiting for the end of senseless gun violence, we are also waiting for Jesus to return. The last sentence of the Bible reads, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. In the meantime, we can keep praying, living our best life to worship God, to follow Jesus, knowing that the grace of God is there to uphold us until Jesus Christ does return. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from Community Presbyterian Church in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. 